On this episode of Tamarindo, we are talking all about sex. We are joined by Dr. Janet Brito, a nationally certified Latinx sex therapist, supervisor, speaker, and trainer. Currently based in Honolulu, Hawaii, she is the founder of the Hawaii Center for Sexual and Relationship Health and the Sexual Health School. She's been featured in the Oprah Magazine, the Huffington Post, Playboy, Healthline, Women's Health Magazine, Bustle, and more. We talk about what's behind often unhealthy relationships we have with sex and pleasure. And then Dr. Janet Brito answers all the questions y'all submitted. It's going to be a good one. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Hola, amiguis. We're back for another episode. And today we are so glad to be joined by Dr. Janet Brito, a nationally certified Latinx ser- therapist, among many other things. And I just want to thank you so much for being on the show, Janet. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about sex, baby. And I'm so excited to do this episode, first of all, because Lord knows it was a struggle for us to be even doing this right now. And I want to honor you for making space for this today, Janet, but also because um, I think it's really important. Two of my intentions for 2022 are just freedom and and pleasure. And I've just been thinking about how important talking about sex and pleasure sooner and more openly is for our liberation, but also how important just changing our relationship with sex and pleasure period is, is so critical and and having um, positive and healthier relationships and making healthier choices. Um, And so before we dive in, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. So I would love if you would just share three to five words, and you can take this however you want, but a little bit about who you are in this world and and how you show up. Oh, okay, great. Well, I love what what you said about having the intention of having more pleasure in our lives. And that is my motto, less shame, more freedom. That's why yes. I created the sex therapy clinic in the first place, because, you know, as a Latina, so that's my, I'm Latina, I'm brown, I'm from Chicago, and I'm, I was raised Catholic, and we were not allowed to talk about sex because that was a bad thing, because God knew what you were thinking. And if you thought any kind of dirty thought, you were going to be in trouble. Yes. <laughs> it was even like just the way you sat down. It was like, don't say it like this. Say it like this. You could say everything was sinful. And it was just so constricting. So it was like, okay, you know what? This doesn't feel right in my body. There has to be just less shame and more freedom. So I think that's my uh, motto. And I've been trying to incorporate that and deprogram because it's really difficult to let go of those scripts and uh, trust new ones that are more liberating. So I'm so glad you're, you're, using, you're bringing up this topic and we're talking about it today, especially in our community, because there's not a lot of resources out there that um, let you know there's other options and other possibilities. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, you know, religion is a big source of the, like the pain around, not pain, well, it feels like pain, but like the pain around just more freely um, talking about sex and, and our relationship with it. Um, so that's, that's interesting that, that you, you know, brought that up. And that seems like that was also a source of how you got into this, this work. I, uh, um, I know that that's super true for me. Um, and in fact, me and my co-host were talking about, you know, this topic and she made a joke about how the Catholic church had robbed her of so many orgasms. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And so then I wrote a post I wrote a post on Instagram, of course, and I said, I can almost forgive the Catholic Church for making me feel like something was wrong with me. And this is a joke, obviously, but for making me feel like something was wrong with me for being queer, but I can never forgive them for all the orgasms they robbed me (laughs) off, for making me think Mi Angel de la Guardia was always watching me. And that is 100% true. I really thought I had an Angel de mi Guardia, so like a little guardian angel 
that was with me at all times everywhere I was. And so I remember being like a preteen or, um, you know, exploring myself for the first time. And I was like, oh, no, this is so terrible. This is so sinful. And my angel de mi guardia is watching me. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand. The programming is real. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of investment in having us believe these scripts that are so negative and constricting and painful. I, t- I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. And, 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 and the post resonated with so many folks. And, um, you know, because I think that's the, that's the truth for a lot of us, especially for our Latinx community. We come from those types of communities, whether, um, like, e- you know, so even some people that weren't as religious, you still kind of carry those, that, that programming, as you said, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then imagine aparte, like also being queer. So like you already think this is like sinful and dirty and like not like your pleasure is not something that pleasure is not something you're supposed to have. But on top of it, you're queer. So it's just like a double whammy of, of oh, sin- yeah. <laughs> sinfulness. <laughs> Straight to hell. <laughs> yeah. Este, and, and yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons like talking about sex so freely continues to be so hard for us, even in 2022, because we like things from our past, unless we truly do the work of reprogramming and unlearning, they continue to play a role in us. And I wanted to share an excerpt from um, Adrienne Marie Brown, who wrote Pleasure Activism. Are you familiar with, with that book? Yeah, I am. I have it. I love it. Yeah. And so I just started reading it, you know, and also in preparation for this for this um for this show. And I wanted to share an excerpt from something that she said in a podcast, actually speaking about this book. She said, Wouldn't it be so radical to engage in our full aliveness in this moment? There's a lot that has intentionally cut us from our relationship with joy, satisfaction, pleasure, happiness, and especially for those that have less privilege. It's been trained into us that we're not allowed to have those things. So what if it's a measure? She says, what if it's a measure of our freedom to reclaim pleasure? And she said that line and that impacted me so much. And I want to just say it again one more time for our listeners. What if it's a measure of our freedom to reclaim pleasure? And I think that's so powerful because I think we're all on this journey for liberation right now. It's something that we're all like, oh, shoot, we didn't realize all the shackles that we were in. Like we kind of knew, but now it's like I feel, at least to me, and, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but I feel like it's become more clear the shackles that we're in, but also that like we don't have to stay in them anymore. And so she goes on to say, it really is important for as many people as possible to come out and advocate for all of our rights to have pleasure and that pleasure be an organizing principle of how we structure our relationships in our society. And that starts with reclaiming our own. So I just want to get your your reaction and, and your thoughts on that. We love that. What if pleasure was our measure for freedom? And, you know, I love that and I love the intention and how challenging it is to incorporate pleasure. And one of the first things in kind of sex therapy is kind of giving yourself that permission to experience pleasure because the programming is so deep that it's almost like we don't even have the belief that we are allowed to have pleasurable experiences. I mean, I'm just talking about outside the bedroom, not even talking about the bedroom, right? That it's so difficult. I didn't even realize that this is one of the shackles, right? I mean, there's so many, but this is also one, right? Sexuality, pleasure. It's not like you're not allowed to have that. And so how do you start to believe like, actually, wait, this could actually be part of my freedom. If I, I allow myself that, mocha or if i go on that hike or spend that moment with my friends and have this pleasure like that would be the first step then we talk about the bedroom because it's kind of a big jump to go from i don't believe i deserve pleasure to go straight to hey let me have all the pleasure in the bedroom we kind of need to make our way there (laughs) yeah right like how am i honoring and prioritizing my pleasure because it's not the way we were raised or uh, that I was raised, right? It's like, when we're here to work. It's about sacrifice. It's about the hustle. It's not about pleasure and sleeping in. My grandma would say, you sleep when you're dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Throughout the day, you're like, get up, vamonos, let's do it. You know, it's not about your pleasure. <laughs> That's like sinful. So it's been really difficult to deprogram, but hey, you know, we're here and this is another step and then we're in, going in the right direction, right? 
having new things yeah. and believing something different. And that, that really wasn't, it's not the natural script, that it was one that was told to us. Um, to yes. The, the colonizing, every, all those negative things that have been, that we're trying to undo now, which is great to do it in community. Yes. And I love that point that you just made about like how it really starts even with just allowing us to have pleasure period and how like then let's move on to sex. But so many of us, like you just said, like have to first give ourselves permission to even experience pleasure. And for me, that's something that I really just started thinking about not that long ago, like what my relationship to pleasure really was. And that's the reason why it's like an intention for me, because I realized that my connection, my relationship with pleasure and and, in sex along with that was that I felt like I could only experience pleasure if everything else was taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. If my house was clean, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I had finished all my work, if my money's in order, so if I'm feeling secure, only then if all of those things are in order, then do I deserve to experience pleasure? Mm-hmm. So I felt like yeah. I could only experience pleasure as a reward if everything else is good. But then like how how often do we have everything in order? <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Like <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) It keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed. (laughs) Yeah. And so that I feel like that's such a strong point to make is like, how do we first even give ourselves permission to experience pleasure? And um, yeah, I feel like it's it's such a like a new thing for, for many of us to be exploring. It's like, no, you don't need permission and you don't need to have everything sorted in order to, to experience this. Right. Right. Yeah. right. It's our natural right, right? Because we were when we're born, we're already born with worth. Right. And yes. so that's sort of like that new concept, that new idea that hey, pleasure could be a part of our freedom, of our healing. And it's learning and hearing that from someone else. So it's like, oh, I have I never heard about it in that way. That that sounds how does that feel like in my body when I hear that? Initially it might be like, oh, I don't know if I can trust this. This is like I'm gonna have some assistance to it. But oh, maybe, maybe this could actually help me in feeling better about myself where I'm at in my life. Doing those little seconds, minutes of pleasure where it's like, oh, I feel some relief actually right now when I give myself that opportunity. Maybe I could start to integrate that into my life more often. Yes. And then you'll start to build that trust. Yes, I love that. So tell me a little bit more about like your trajectory into into this work. I th- you start you sort of, um, you know, alluded to it and shared a little bit. But t- tell us a little bit more about how what, what brought you into this work and what that was like. Oh, yeah. So I didn't know I was I wanted to be a sex therapist when I was a kid. I wanted to be a cashier. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a cashier when I grow up. This is amazing. I could just, you know, <laughs> play with a calculator. And I don't know. That just sounded like so much fun. I went into sex therapy. Um, pretty much it was my healing that led me there. I was struggling with my own sexuality, you know, being raised Catholic in a Mexican household. Um, grandparents were born in Mexico. My parents were born in Mexico as well. And, you know, there's very social norms and social roles that you must adhere to. And I didn't really fit into any of those scripts where, you know, I didn't have, um, I had a boyfriend for a minute, but (laughs) I'm, I'm gay. And we all did. We all had one, (laughs) that one boyfriend. (laughs) I didn't know I had to come out. It was so frightening and it was so scary. And I was just so ashamed of myself. I thought it was just something was wrong with me. I, I'm so much pain for years. Like something is really wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I can do school. I can be successful, but this thing is getting in the way of me being a whole person. And so I really wanted to have the husband with three kids and they have the matching outfits. And it's like, Mm -hmm. if I have that, then I'm going to be like for real (laughs) and I'm going to have value. And so it was just so difficult. My parents actually finally came around to accepting me sooner than I did. And they were like, for goodness sake, please, like just live with yourself. (laughs) And I was like, I'm trying, but I, I really couldn't. It was just so hard. And so one of my friends told me about the um, sexual health uh, certificate program at University of Michigan. And everybody thought I was crazy because I I was finishing my doctorate and this would require more coursework and for me to travel to Michigan from Hawaii. 
Um, but it felt like the right thing to do. And I thought I was a little crazy. I'm like, am I losing my mind? Like, I, do I, can I handle more school? And it just felt right. Like, I'm like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I'm doing this. And so it was great. I would fly to Chicago. My parents would come with me to Michigan. We would have a weekend together. And oh my God, I just started to feel the relief. The liberation started to happen. I was exposed to something new. I did not know that human sexuality was so diverse until I was in this program and I got to be exposed to so many ideas and narratives and people that at the end of that program, I just felt, I felt free. I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. Why did I believe that? Why is everybody telling me this? Or why did I take on that idea? And so I was like, I got to do this. I, oh my God, I have to do this. I have to get back in this way. And for other people, it might not be about their identity. They might feel ashamed about their sexual preferences or about their uh, relationship that they want to have or their um, sexual orientation. So it can change for many, but I wanted to be able to let them know that, hey, this can get better and that we don't have to be kind of held down with our shame, that there's other possibilities here and you can be free. This is how it became less shame, more freedom. It was like, mm. this is my way to give back. And um, I live in Hawaii, so I don't live around, um, it's not a predominant large Latinx community, right? It's predominantly Asian and, and Polynesian, which is great. You know, I, I, I love living here. Um, and I try to give back to my community in other ways, like this way, like this podcast, right? Because I don't have, I'm not, my community isn't Latinx where I live, but Thank God for online and social media and the sexual health school, which is an online training program that I run. I'm trying to give back to my community in that way to give that message that, hey, we can do this. You can have a satisfying um, sexual life. You can feel good about your sexuality and you don't have to be stuck in that programming that um, we're given. That's that's assigned to us. And then that, you know, I took on as my own and it just caused so much pain. And I'm just so glad and so thankful for that certificate program. It really helped to heal me. And because of that, I was like, I gotta, I gotta give this back somehow and um, give back to my community and to folks that are in that same situation. Cause there's many, right? Yes. You're just stuck there and it's just so awful. And so that's how, that's how the journey took, took on and how it's still going. It's, now continuing to to do the work to give back to other people who are in that situation. Yes, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it I think it's so powerful, and that's why we love to do this work, right? Because it reminds us that we're all doing this together, you know. And and I think it's it's really especially beautiful when you see folks like yourself that like get into the work that they do because of their own journey through it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's so powerful. And so thank you for, for your work and thank you for, yeah, just for, for everything that, that you do. Um, so I, I'm curious, like, you know, I feel like, you know, where a lot of us are on this liberation journey a little bit more recently, have you seen more people getting into the work or, or just more clients period reaching out about this in recent years? How, what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there is just a significant need for mental health services, period. You know, there there has been, but during the pandemic, I would say it increased. And for us, we are a specialized clinic that focuses on providing sexual health services. They go hand in hand, your mental health and your sexual health. So we are finding that there are more calls and people are seeking help. There is a lot of distress. There is a lot of anxiety, depression, relationship conflicts, and that impacts your sexuality. So we are noticing people coming in to get support. You know, they're 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 alone, right? And they want some a safe space to be able to share what's going on in their life and get some resources. I'm also curious. You know, we talked a little bit about some some of the things that um, you know produce, I guess, unhealthier relationships with pleasure and sex, like the you know religion being a really big one. Another one being, yeah, this like idea that we learned that um, pleasure is is something that you know is is not good either. That that you you only deserve as a reward, kind of like, you know the same cap with capitalism, all those systems that I feel like feel feel into that. Are there other things that that um you know, produce 
unhealthy relationships with pleasure or sex other, other than those that, that, that people come to you with or that you, um, you know, have identified? Yeah, absolutely. So there's these myths, right, that sex is for reproduction only, right? That sex is between yes. a man and a woman, right? That sex is between a married couple, right? And so when you have these limiting beliefs, it's like, well, where do I put in it? Especially if we don't meet that criteria. So that will be, those are some barriers that can get in the way. Of course, there's religion and conservative views around sexuality. If the scripts that you were given were very limiting, that's going to limit you from seeing other possibilities. In other cases, it could also be relationship conflict, right? You're not having, you're not in a good space in your relationship and that could impact the way you both interact sexually. Um, there's also medical illness, disability, right? There's medications. It's so, there's so many um, lack of awareness. People don't know about their body or their anatomy. Um, the, the way they've defined sex is so only one way and they, they have different sexual preferences. So there's so many, it's multifactorial, right? When somebody says, yeah. I'm struggling with my sexuality, I'm not having satisfying sex. One has to pause and be like, oh, wow, let, let's look at this from a curious place and see like, oh, what are the factors that could be limiting my views around um, me, experience, my views around sexuality and experiencing pleasure? Let me look at that. And then you could be more open to like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe it does have to do with my, how I see my body. Maybe I have more negative body image, or maybe I've never been exposed to fantasy or self-pleasure. I don't know much about my body. Maybe I don't even like to talk about sex. What about my relationships and how I view intimacy? So when you look at it from that lens and you're more open and curious, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I can. This makes sense why mm -hmm. I feel this way about my body and my relationships, the way I express myself sexually. Yeah, I love that. I love the word, the, the word curiosity, right? Because sometimes we, we right away go to, to judgment. Something we talk about often is like really exploring what's behind this way of thinking. Like, what is it that, that's, that you think about this? And where do, the, where do those thoughts come from? And, ex, and exploring that. And I really love how you brought up just really awareness and, and just coming back to like how important education is. And so many of us like don't get that, that education. So we don't even know, you know, like. Absolutely. There is no comprehensive sex education, right, in the United States. I, I, want, I, I think there's 13 states that provide comprehensive sex education. There's many other states that provide abstinence-based sex education. So abstinence, <laughs> I mean, that is very limiting. So people don't know about their anatomy, about how their body works. They don't even know about, there's a variety of relationships that one can have. So when you don't have access and you don't have the resources, it makes sense that you would be thinking and feeling this way about yourself and your body. So it's like, yes. oh, let's take a step back and let's get curious and sort of get, explore what, what were the barriers? What is getting in the way? And what is your actual your sexual health vision? Where are you headed? What do you want? And that shedding light onto that possibility that it can be real, that it can happen for you. You can have satisfying sexual relationships. It's your right. <laughs> it's your right. I love that. Okay, so with that, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to get right into some questions and explore some of the things you're already talking about with some of the questions that our listeners have submitted. So we'll be right back after a short break. LGBTQIA plus families have unique strengths and experience distinct challenges. At Pacific Oaks College in Pasadena, experience an education that will prepare you to support this community. The Master's in Marriage and Family Therapy LGBTQIA plus studies program will train you to work with communities from any background while providing affirmative therapy to LGBTQIA plus individuals. Pacific Oaks College, experience that impacts community. Learn more at pacificoaks.edu. Okay, so now uh, we're going to switch into some questions, some burning questions that the listeners have submitted. So you ready? <laughs> okay, the first one. So what is the most common thing that gets in the way of being able to have good sex with your partner? I would say that one of the things is performance anxiety. 
So let's say once you've liberated yourself, you believe it's your right to have sexual pleasure, you're in a good space with your mental health, you're in a good relationship. Now it's about people get stuck on performance, right? Because the scripts are fed are from the media. And when we see it on television and movies, sex is like, hey, it's about people are having amazing sex and, you know, they're on the kitchen table and it's like very <laughs> passionate and like, whoa, everybody's having an orgasm. Okay. And then not in real life and you're like, ah, uh, what do I do? How do I perform to satisfy my partner? Right. I need to do A, B, C, or D. And so that becomes a, a head game. <laughs> now you're in your head and not in your body and you're not able to pick up on hey, what is pleasurable for me right now? What would it feel good for me? It becomes about focusing on your partner. What do they like? What, are they, what should I do? Maybe I could try this strategy. So now you're both in this headspace <laughs> and not in your body. And if you're not in your body, it's going to be a lot harder to really pick up on what, what pleasure means and what feels good to you. So I would say performance anxiety is probably the top. And it's like, how do we step back get into a more pleasure-based approach to sexuality. It's not about performing. It's not about having my partner have an orgasm. It's not about that. It's about what feels good right now in this moment when I'm having this shared experience, whether that's solo or with a partner. What feels good to me? Oh, when I do this type of touch, this feels really good. I really like this. So when I do it this way, I don't like that. That doesn't really feel good. Okay, great. You've got that down for yourself. So now with your, your, with your partner, you could say that, like, hey, I really like it when you stroke me in this way. Hey, I, that, that type of touch doesn't really make me feel so good. Could we try this instead? Now you have more knowledge about yourself. Now you have a little bit more permission to communicate your needs to your partner. And now you could both be in the same space that we're here to enjoy ourselves. We're here to experience pleasure together. We're not here to kind of get an A plus or you know, focus mm. on how well we're doing. This is not about that. This is about pleasure and less about performing. And speaking of performance, like that was, you know, a, the next question that, that we had. And so what I heard from, from you is really like focusing on what is it that feels good to you, getting out of your head. Um, I think also just looking at it more as like, this is a way to connect with my partner. And anything else that you would add, like around like what to do what, about yeah, performing anxiety? I think you touched on, on, on a lot of things already, but is there anything else to, to add there? Yeah, absolutely. One of the uh, most common utilized interventions in sex therapy is called sensate focus, also known mm -hmm. as mindful sex. Or okay. you know, So now you're actually um, focused. I would recommend that the person start with themselves, like a solo sensate focus. So I'm actually pausing to caress my arm because it starts off with non-genital touching. It's not about going straight to the genitals and hyper-focusing on those erogenous zones, but it's about focusing on what does it feel like when I stroke my arm in a fast-paced way versus a slow, a slow pace. It's like, oh, I really like it. It's more soothing when I do it in a slower way. That feels really good. What if I like apply some pressure to my arm? Like, oh yeah, I like it when it's a little, you know, harder for example, versus when I'm like, oh, just too gentle. So now when you're exploring your body in this way, in this open, curious, non-judgmental way, physically, it's like, oh, it kind of opens up some avenues to, for you to get to know what type of pleasure you enjoy when it comes to physical touch. So it starts off with non-genitals and then we incorporate genital touching. So now you're caressing um, your chest. And then you're caressing your genitals. So it's like, oh, yeah, when I use manual stimulation, for example, that feels a lot better than when I use my vibrator or vice versa. For, um, for uh, individuals with penises, they might like more of a tighter grip when they self-pleasure or maybe they like um, more of a, um, uh, they prefer to use lube. So it's like kind of being open and curious to explore the different types of touch in this open, curious, non-judgmental way. This is helping us to lessen the pressure that we put on when it comes to performance-based sexuality. So this, these are the principles, open, curious, non-judgmental, 
doing it with yourself first, and then learn, taking that knowledge and that information you gathered and then bringing it with your partner. And now if you're in a partner relationship, now when you're with your partner, you both are also engaging in this exercise. So we're taking, let's say, we're talking about a heterosexual couple. We're taking away intercourse when we're starting. We're starting with a non-genital approach. We're setting the scene. We're dimming the lights. We're changing the bed sheets. We're uh, making sure the door is locked. We're setting time. We're being intentional about being together in a physical way, minus the performing part. We're here to just get curious and explore and like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed that when I touch your arm like this, I really like touching your arm that way. Do you like it when I touch your arm that way? And I'm talking about arm right now, but later on it gets mm-hmm. to the genitals, right? Like, yeah, you know, when you touch that my penis in that way or my bulb in that way, I really like that. Oh, that's great. So now it's about more of a pleasure instead of like kind of getting some um, achievements, right? Or like getting a scorecard. And so the principles, mainly the main principles, and I know I've repeated them a few times, but they're so important. The openness, curiosity, and non-judgment are the main principles that can help individuals and individuals in relationships to begin to work on lessening performance anxiety. So speaking of partners, another, this is actually the question that we got the most times. So I know it's something that's on a lot of people's minds. What can partners do to balance when one partner has a higher libido than the other? This is a great question and a common one. Mismatched sexual desire is quite common. And one of the reasons people seek partnered sex therapy in the first place. So the first step would be to have a kitchen conversation, not in the bedroom, not when you're in the moment, not when you're naked or trying to get naked because holy moly, too much pressure. So we're having a kitchen conversation, a living room conversation, like a neutral place conversation. We're both closed. We're both having like this talking about a sensitive topic because it's sensitive. You know, people are like, how do I bring this up? I don't know. I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend the other. Like, how do I tell this person my feelings? I don't know what, what to do. So a kitchen conversation is like, okay, I'm taking accountability for my desires and I'm going to express, you know, a, I really would like to connect with you more. I'm having a hard time connecting with you in this way. Or, hey, I'm feeling some pressure in connecting with you in this way. I know you want to have more sex and I'm having a hard time being there for you. I really want to connect with you. Right. So you're sharing the, the difficult, the challenge, and you're also sharing your, your hopes for yourself, your partner, and each other. And mm. now we're hoping to find some common ground. So I want to have sex with you every day. And it's like, oh my God, I want to have sex with you once a year. (laughs) Okay, how are we going to find some common ground? What would be a compromise here? Because you are in a partnered relationship, right? This this challenge impacts the both of you. And how are we going to use this challenge as an opportunity to grow together and become closer? How do I listen to my partner's needs without getting judgmental, without blaming and attacking them, right? That their need to connect with me in a physical way is important. And I'm struggling because what are the issues that are getting in your way? Oh, you know what? Maybe I can help you with some of those chores. (laughs) Maybe I can, um, you know, come home earlier from work. Maybe we could spend some quality time together before we do some physical um, connection. Oh yeah, you know what? That That would be really nice. So it's kind of stepping back, being um, accountable for one's feelings and then being open to possibilities of what's getting in the way and then viewing this as a challenge that you can overcome together and that you are have faith that you're going to find some common ground on what's going to meet each other's needs. And that's helpful when you share your goals for yourself, your goals for the other person and your goals for each other, for the couple, for us. Yes, I, such really helps. Yes, yeah, such helpful, helpful tips. I feel like I've learned so much just in these few questions. Um, and I love that. So seeing this as a challenge, this challenge is an opportunity to come closer together. I love that way of going into it. That feels like such an so important to this yes. process, right? Yes, it's a we, it's a we problem. It's a we challenge and it's a we, we're going to conquer this together. Because oftentimes what happens is, when there's a blame game, 
and right, I'm blaming my, my partner and we're blaming each other, then it, it's going to limit us, right? And people don't want to feel like they're to blame or that they're broken, right? It's like, oh, well, you think I'm the one with the issue and you, you're all perfect, right? It's like, mm, that's going to be, so we're going to reframe this. We have a wee challenge right now <laughs> and we're going to overcome this together. That can give the other person like, oh, okay, because it only happens when you're together, <laughs> So, right, this problem. So it's like, okay, yeah, this can give us some more hope and faith that we got this and we're going to utilize strengths from other areas in our life because, hey, we've been together for ABC amount of time. We overcome that other problem. Look at that. We can overcome this challenge as well. Yes, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Um, Okay, so here's another question. I'm married and I feel like I don't want sex much at all. So it's a little bit related, but she says, or um, I try to get into it. Is there something wrong with me? There is nothing wrong with you, girl. (laughs) There is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. There is nothing wrong with not wanting to be sexual. You know, this is very important. In fact, if someone doesn't want to have sex ever in their whole life, there's something wrong with them. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that that yeah. I feel like is something we, we don't get taught, right? Because of w- what we see in the media about how we're supposed to want sex and how sex is portrayed. Exactly. <laughs> the challenge now is that you're in a partnered relationship, right? So that's a challenge. And so some questions I would ask is, is the type of sex I'm having pleasurable for me? So sometimes the type of sex that you're having is not satisfying to you. So if it's not satisfying to you or it's painful or something is happening that's crossing a boundary, it makes sense you don't want to have sex. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to be doing that position. It makes me uncomfortable or it's painful or it, it brings up negative feelings in my body or there's some result trauma or something is happening. There's a reason why your body says no. We got to trust that. So we want to know what is actually getting in the way, right? And if I've brought this up to my partner and I've shared, I have a trauma response, you know, that's, that's, that position is difficult for me. Um, I'm, I need lubrication, um, meaning lube. Uh, I'm afraid to get pregnant. Um, I'm dealing with a medical problem. Whatever the issue is and your partner is not listening, <laughs> Right, or is having a hard time um, supporting you, it's going to show up in the bedroom, right? It's like, oh man, you know, sometimes in couples therapy, we hear it. It's like, well, they're only thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about me, right? So how do we bring up this challenge that's affecting the both of you? So this person is not feeling like there's something wrong with them. They're broken. You know, they're the ones that need to change. What needs to change is the dynamic and how each other is meeting each other's needs and how they are connecting in an emotional way in order to arrive at a solution. Because we can't get to the solution if there's a a mistrust or a rupture or some type of disconnection that's occurring. That's like, ah, I don't really want to have sex with you. I wonder why. What, What is getting in the way? Is it emotional? A, we're going to talk about the patterns. Is it medical, right? Are you having some kind of medical problem? Is there untreated mental health? Do you need support around that? Is there unresolved trauma? Do you have privacy? This is a big one. Do I have any privacy or am I worried about somebody coming in, people living with their families or their parents or they have children or pets, right? It's like, I don't have any privacy and I can't let go and I'm worried someone's going to come into the room. So these are all factors that could contribute to someone not wanting to be sexual with their partner. So mm-hmm. again, stepping back, asking yourself these difficult questions and being honest with yourself. And if you need help, then getting professional help, right? Or having a trusted friend if you can't get a, uh, a professional help. Professional. The other one I yes. really remembered is, which is a difficult one for people, is am I attracted to my partner? And so mm. if I'm not attracted to my partner anymore in that way, this could be challenging. And the, the, the other one I just thought about is the type of sex I imagine having in my head, the fantasy that I have or the way I've enjoyed sex doesn't, is not matching with how I have it with my partner. So there's a discrepancy and the gap is a little bit too large. 
So how do we find the middle point, right? Like my partner wants to have, uh, you know, uh, intercourse-based uh, activities. And I kind of like more outer course, right? I like more oral or kissing or making out. And my partner doesn't really like that, right? And we're, we're kind of fixed. These are also templates. So it's like, how do we find some common ground where we can kind of help each other satisfy each other's needs? Yes. Beautiful. I think that's like, it sounds just like understanding what are the questions that even ask sometimes is, is mm-hmm. new for folks, right? Yes. How do we ask these questions? How, do, how are we honest with ourselves? How do we just knowing this to our partner? Yeah. Yeah. So knowing the questions to ask and how to communicate them. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, okay. So somebody asked, um, any suggested, if, suggested things to do or things to be a part of to help open that door of self-sexual love, if that's something that um, you've been struggling with? Yeah, I think the number one thing is intentionality. Intentionality. Like you said, you started off this year with that intention, right, of healing your sexual self, prioritizing pleasure. So already you're ahead of the game, right? You're like, okay, this is my intention. So you're going to be more aware of opportunities to heal your sexuality and to incorporate pleasure in your life. I think it's similar to this question. So I have that intention. I want to heal. I want to experience more uh, pleasure in my life. So I may be more open to reading a book, like you said, that pleasure activism book, listening to this podcast, for example, Um, starting therapy with a sex therapist that can help you kind of go get exploratory and curious about what are the barriers that are getting in the way? What is my sexual health vision? How do I make that happen? Oh, having a new script gives me that hope that in that, that there is actually another way of doing this. So that's one way, number one, mentally. And number two is like setting aside that time to prioritize your sexual health by adding this uh, physical exploration of your body. So I mentioned solo sensory focus. It's just like too fancy. But what about some mindful touching exercises where you're, hey, you designated Sunday mornings to get to know your body. This might mean standing in front of the mirror or grabbing a handheld mirror and like, hey, let me look in my genitals. Like I've never really looked at them before. What do they look like? And if I touch this area, what does that feel like? Is that does that feel good? Does that feel ticklish? What feelings come up when I do this exercise? Is it shame? Is it embarrassment? Is it fear? Is it curiosity? Oh, wow, this is so interesting. I'm gonna stay curious in this in this space as I get to explore something I haven't really done before. I haven't really even looked at myself in the mirror. I haven't really touched myself because that seems like a weird thing to do or taboo. But if I'm looking to heal in this area, then I'm going to take some small calculated risks. Sundays, I know no one's home. I can turn off my phone. I can read a book on erotica um, if you want or listen to audio tape um, or uh, watch some erotic materials, whether that's in a movie uh, or porn, if that's your thing, um, and kind of get Oh, yeah, I kind of I would be curious about trying that and then using that as an erotic recall um, to kind of help identify what is pleasurable for you as you explore kind of like um, I'm talking about masturbation and fantasy training. So I'm identifying what is erotic to me in my fantasy, in my imagination, and then I'm going to use that information to self-pleasure and explore what that feels like in my body. So I would say those are the the top the top things, the intention, but giving yourself the permission and then taking some action steps by doing some of the masturbation and fantasy training. Yes, beautiful. Such great suggestions. Thank you. And then lastly, how does someone find a sex therapist? Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's a great question. You can look at ASEC and that is the national organization for sex therapists and is it ASIC.org, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists. And they have a directory page and you could put your state, whatever state you're in, 
and you'll see that um, well, who are the providers in your area. So that would be one way. Um, you can also. And how do you spell that? ASEC. A A S E C T. Okay, beautiful. Yeah. And, and then, then were you going to share a different way? Um, there's also the general one, which is Psychology Today. Um, and you can always go on Psychology Today. And for example, there are no ASEC providers in your area then you would use your filter and see, oh, who is providing sex therapy? And then I would encourage you to call and see, oh, so what, what are some of the um, trainings you've had? Because most people, well, people that are certified in sex therapy through ASEC must have sexuality, human sexuality training. And so it's 150 CE hours um, and, and a practicum and supervision. So you want to make sure that whoever you're going to or sex therapy has the skills to help you. And you can do that by asking them, you know, do you have specialized, some form of specialized training in sexual health? Wonderful. Okay. Well, I feel like I've learned so much. In fact, this has felt kind of therapeutic to me. <laughs> so I just want to, uh, again, thank you for this this conversation and um, for holding space for the questions and, and for your wonderful suggestions and, and perspective and, and your story too. Um, and so to close out the episode, we always like to ask our guests our rapid fire questions, matraca, basura, and calma. And so I'd love to ask you, and you can go ahead and start um, which, whichever one you want. Um, so a matraca, remember, is something that you're loving. You want to give a shout out to basura, something you want to put in the trash. And calma is something that you that's giving you that's helping you stay grounded and and as well as possible <laughs> today. Oh, okay. So my first one, matraca, I would say it's exercise right now. <laughs> I love exercising. I used to exercise a lot when I was in college. And then when I started the business, I started to neglect myself and I haven't, I had not been exercising. And since January, I have been exercising, getting back into my body and that's with hiking or yoga, some type of physical movement, movement, going on walks. And it just, it just has felt like reuniting with an old friend. Like, where have you been? I've missed you. It really has helped improve my mood. It helps me to just feel more calm. It's just helping me to ground um, and to continue to give me strength to do whatever I need to do in the day. So I'm giving a shout out to exercise. It's it's real. It's true what they say, that it's good for your health and your body. And yes. the second one is, what was it, basura? A basura, yeah. What are you putting in la basura right now? I think, you know, this has been a, a challenging one, but I think it's... um. Uh, letting go of, of relationships and, and uh, thinking patterns that are no longer working for me that are, are more um, toxic in general. So, you know, if it doesn't feel good in my body when I'm trying to make a decision or I'm in, interacting with, with someone or something, if it doesn't feel good, it's like, it's okay to let that go. Like, I, I don't need to uh, put myself in that situation and say yes to everything. It's like, it's okay to set boundaries and to say no. So letting yes. go of toxic patterns that are just causing harm. And by toxic, I mean just causing self-harm. Yeah, beautiful. And it's, I think the first step is really knowing what those things are and being able to take those steps. And then, um, okay, and what's giving you calma? What's giving me calma is uh, a little brief meditation exercise. So I've been trying to meditate. I want to meditate and I can't. And <laughs> recently somebody taught me just like, Five minutes, just focus on the inhale and the exhale and just do that for five minutes. And if your mind wanders and images come up, coming, coming back to the breath. And that little tip helped me so much because I was downloading apps and trying to like do all sorts <laughs> of things. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's another step. I'm just sitting here five minutes, focus on your inhale, your exhale. And oh my God. So much calma. I'm like, this is revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sometimes you just got to be simple. And, and I, that's so true. You try to make things complicated. And I think often with meditation, people think like, oh, I have to do it this perfect way or I can't think in, about anything. It's like, no, you're going to think about stuff. But I love it's just like make it as simple as possible. Just keep breathing in and out. Yes, that's it. Exactly. That was it. I was like, that's <laughs> I love that so much. Um, okay, so we're about to get to the end of the show, but I just want to ask you, is there anything else, like any last message 
that you want to share with our listeners that you didn't get to touch on on earlier? Uh, my message would would be to set that intention for this week and carve out five little minutes um, for yourself, whether that is to engage in a pleasurable activity or whether that is to set the intention to write down what's getting in the way of doing something that is pleasurable for you. So kind of putting pleasure at the center for this week and just adopting those three principles, openness, curiosity, and non-judgment when it comes to this topic. Beautiful. I love it. And I'm definitely going to take you up on that this week for sure. Muchas gracias, Janet. And lastly, where can people find you, follow you, anything else you want to you wanna share about um, how people can connect with you? Oh, that would be great. Thank you. So on my Instagram handle, it's Dr. Janet Brito. And then we have two websites, Sex Therapy Hawaii. It's a group practice based in Honolulu, Hawaii, where we offer sex therapy. And we also have my other baby. Um, so Sex Therapy Hawaii is my preschooler and the sexual health school still feels like such a newborn, but it has so much potential. <laughs> it's the sexualhealthschool.com and it's an online training program. And this is for folks who are interested in learning how to be, do sex therapy, sexuality counseling. And we offer the CEs required by ASEC in order to start this journey. So I hope that you all join me on Instagram so you can get the new updates on the Sexual Health School, which should be coming out soon. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Janet. I enjoyed this so much, and I'm sure our listeners will too. And we'll make sure to um, include the links for everything that she shared in our episode notes. So check those out. And I just want to thank you again for just making time for this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI, FPEI 220099.